Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Mike Chen. Follow me on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the website over there as well at Big Ten MM. It is Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. And yesterday, the NCAA made some news regarding a bunch of rule changes. And these were previously suggested. They are being enacted for this coming football season, and I absolutely really like these rules. And let's get into it as they have made an adjustment to replay. As we all know, NCAA replay sometimes is not the fastest thing. You're looking at multiple minutes, commercial breaks, looks and looks and looks, and these referees just can't get it right. Well, the NCAA is now ending that long wait between plays, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Replays are going to be under two minutes. Absolutely love it. If you see it, call it how it is, get a confirmation, done. Move on. Let's get the game going. I hate long replays. It puts a stop in momentum. And as we all know, I think... Momentum is hugely important in the college football game. They are kids playing this game. Remember, you've got 17 to 23-year-olds typically playing this game. They are emotional. They can feel the wave of those kind of things. And if you've got all the momentum going, and all of a sudden your drive gets stopped by the referees or the opposing coach, because they have to look over a play and four, five minutes go by, the momentum is going to slow down. It clearly is. It clearly is, especially for up-tempo teams. You see it a lot. And unfortunately, a rule that I would have liked to see is the injury-faking rule. Uh, That one was not mentioned. And I think that that one was something that would have been nice to see, but they didn't. Back to the replay, however, at the end of halves, here's a little kicker, and I like this. If there is less than three seconds left on the clock, they're not going to do replay. They're just going to move on, and I like this because a lot of times those you're playing a you know an untimed down. I'm just not the biggest fan of those, so I like what the NCAA has done on this. There will be no more walk of shame for targeted players. Players who have committed the targeting penalty, although I wish they would have changed that penalty a little bit as well. There is no more walk of shame. As we've all seen, plenty of players walk off. I think one of the most famous is uh, Marcus Hall. The Ohio State guard got thrown out playing in the rivalry game against Michigan in Ann Arbor. As he was leaving, double birds out to the crowd this can clearly be avoided and the NCAA is going to avoid this as players are going to be able to remain on the sidelines after they are ejected for targeting I like this sending a player off to the locker room like that is just an odd way of handling things especially at the collegiate level I understand if the NFL goes and says you know what Go hit the showers. It's over for you. But college is different. They're not getting paid right now. They will be be able to make money off of their lightness coming up. But 
at the current moment, they're not paid right now. And to have the similar rule as to the NFL regarding this, I, I just don't like it. And I like the fact that the NCAA is now allowing those players to remain on the sideline. Clearly no helmet, no nothing like that. They won't be able to go back in the game. But they don't have to walk of shame anymore. And I think that that's great. Here's another thing that I really like as well. The pregame jurisdiction that's going on for referees. Previously, it was 60 minutes prior to kickoff. Well, now the NCAA has extended that an extra 30 minutes to 90 minutes because I'm not going to lie. If you've been to a college football game like many of us have, the players really aren't out on the field by themselves 60 minutes prior. The, the old rule just didn't make sense. The majority of the fights that we used to see, because we won't be seeing those anymore, I don't believe with this, because players can now get penalized the reason why was because they wouldn't wear numbers. And I'm not going to lie. A lot of these referees probably don't know the names of or the faces of all of these players. Remember, they're padded up. They're wearing helmets. It's difficult to see their faces and to sometimes know who they are and what they look like unless they're a highly recognizable player. Well, now going forward, they're going to have to have a coach on the field. If a player's out in the field, a coach needs to be present. And that coach will direct the referees as to who those players are if they are to make these kind of infractions. I mean, you used to see it all the time, the pregame scrums for rivalry games at the 50-yard line. The you know, Miami and Florida State, they've had classic ones like that. There's plenty of them in the Big Ten as well. There are very strong rivalries in our conference. And good for the NCAA. They're going to scratch the 60 minutes, add on another 30, and now those players are going to have to control themselves, which makes plenty of sense. It was a free-for-all. You could do whatever the hell you wanted 60 minutes prior to the game with no ramifications, well, hell, I'd do crazy-ass stuff too if I was a player because I'm not going to get penalized for anything. So I like the fact that the NCAA has lengthened it to 90 minutes. I would ideally like to see more time on that, especially now I don't know if things are going to happen 90 minutes prior. Are they going to scuffle 90 minutes prior to the game? I think that as soon as players step on the field for warm-ups, regardless if it's just them by themselves, if you've got a special teams kicker, punter, long snapper out there, you need to have a referee out there. I like the fact that they've extended it. I would have liked the rule to be changed to if a player is on the field, a referee needs to be present. I would have extended a little bit more. Nevertheless, it's still a good rule extension. I just wish they were a little bit more thorough with this because I just that, uh, this is football. You can take your aggression out on your opponent on the field during the game. You don't have to do anything in the pregame. I know words are exchanged, players cross each other, but I just I I would rather see this squashed period, not have to deal with any of this. But the NCAA. 
still made a move and a move in the right direction. We'll see if this changes going forward. Uh, like I said, I would like to have it as the referees are on the field anytime a player is on the field, but going from 60 to 90, still a step forward. One last thing that the NCAA confirmed yesterday they will do is there will no longer be throuples of numbers. You cannot have three players wearing the same number on the field. They are going to cut it down to just two. And now, on top of that, players are going to be allowed to wear the number zero. So I think we're going to see a lot more players wearing the number zero. I like it. I think it's great. I wish they would have done this years and years ago. Uh, it just opens up an extra number. And on top of that, I think zero is a cool number to wear. You see uh, a lot of players in other sports wearing zero. Uh, Agent Zero is a cool nickname. I'm not going to lie. I, I really think that that is cool. So that was Gilbert Arenas in the NBA. So I think that that is uh, something that's pretty neat. And I think that going forward, you're going to see a lot more players wearing the number zero. Moving on to some basketball news. Iowa 2021 commit Christian Lander is trying to reclassify to the 20 class. He had an interview with some people. And he mentioned the potential of playing with Trace Jackson Davis. That's one of his big reasons for moving on. He is currently a five-star in the 21 class. He is one of the top players in the country, a top 25 prospect. And Archie Miller would be getting a big-time player if Lander is able to reclassify to the 20 class. And look... If he wants to play with Trace Jackson Davis. Jackson Davis has not made his intentions clear about the NBA. He's one of the last big-time players inside the conference to make his decision. And we'll see what he ends up doing. But Lander, if he is able to move to the 20 class, would be a big boon for Archie Miller and the Hoosiers. Nebraska's forward Kevin Cross has entered the transfer portal after spending just one season with the Huskers. It was a pretty solid year. He averaged a little bit over seven points a game, right under four rebounds a game. And uh, I think this one hurts Fred Hoiberg because anytime you get a freshman that contributes and contributes at a decent level, you're, you're losing out on something. The Huskers will now have two available scholarships for the current class uh, but uh, it's just unfortunate because I, I thought that going forward you know cross had a very solid you know potential career for nebraska but unfortunately that's not going to end up happening as cross is going to be moving on espn updated their bracketology yesterday nine Big Ten teams made it. The highest seeds were Wisconsin and Michigan State, both earning two seeds. Iowa is a four seed, which to me is a little bit surprising with the news of Luca Garza turning a pro. Yes, Garza is holding on to his eligibility, not going to hire an agent. He is keeping that in the back pocket of his, but I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen a lot of updated NBA mock drafts but I think that when you look at the kind of player Garza is, I think he's almost a shoe-in for a first-round pick. And although that's not big, as big as it used to be in the NBA, especially only with two rounds and being a smaller draft pool, uh, I still think that if you're an NBA first-round pick, 
You strike while the iron is hot. You leave. Because look at what Ayo DeSumo did. Yes, last year as a freshman, at the end of the year, he was showing up uh, the later portions of first-round mocks. Well, now as a sophomore, and he has declared, he is not showing up on these mocks. And I have absolutely no idea why. I think he is a top 15 type of player. I think that NBA teams are going to have to reshuffle their boards because Desumu is a very good shooting guard. I think he fits the modern NBA. He's able to create his own shot. He's able to hit big shots. He could stretch it out to the three-point line. He's got range. He can handle the ball. I can't see Desumu not being a first-round pick, but at the current moment, when you look at all these mock drafts, he is not in the first round of any of them. All right, back to ESPN's Bracketology. Iowa, again, like I said, they are a four-seed. Ohio State would be a five-seed. Michigan and Rutgers checks in as a six-seed. Indiana, a seven-seed. Purdue, an eight. And the Fighting Illini, the aforementioned, would get a nine-seed. So a solid showing for the Big Ten. They would get nine total teams in. Yeah. Nine teams. That is that is absolutely fantastic for the conference. And I still think that there's a possibility, there's an outside possibility that Mark Turgeon and Maryland can somehow sneak their way into the tournament as well. Even if they are lower seed, I still think they can. I, I think there's talent there. They are losing a lot, especially on the front court. Um, you're, you're looking at the fact that you know they're they're losing a lot of players there. But when you look at the coach that Mark Turgeon is, and I think that the fact that they, they've got some solid you know, players that, that will be coming back. So I, I believe that they should be able to make a run at an NCAA bid as well. And that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes. I appreciate the listen. Follow me on Twitter at Mike F. Chen. Follow the show site as well at Big Ten MM. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great hump day, Big Ten fans. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.